privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. I'm Pamela Clark, founder and director of the New Heights Educational Group. And I'm here with David Smith, the founder of Silicon Valley High School, who has helped us get these podcasts produced and delivered to you. Yes, Pamela, when we saw the great things that you and your army of volunteers were achieving at New Heights, we wanted to get involved. We're happy to work with you to leverage the internet and make quality education accessible and affordable to everyone, everywhere. Thank you, David. We appreciate Silicon Valley High School helping us to get these podcasts out to the hundreds of thousands of listeners from all over the world. So I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to New Heights Show on Education. This is your host, Kathy Woodring. This week's topic is, what is a democracy? Right now, you might be struggling through your classes or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group, educational resources to help reach your goals. Now to the show topic, what is a democracy? From lifescience.com, what is a def- democracy? Definition, t- types, and history. Compared to dictatorships, oligarchies, monarchies, and aristocracies, in which the people have little or no say in who is elected and how the government is run, a democracy is often said to be the most challenging form of government, as input from those representing citizens determines the direction of the country. The definition of democracy in its purest form comes from the Greek language. The term means rule by the people, but democracy is defined in many ways a fact that has caused much disagreement among those leading various democracies as to how best to run one. The Greeks and Romans established the precursors to today's modern democracy. The three main branches of Athenian democracy were the Assembly of Demos, the Council of 500, and the People's Court. Assembly and the Council were responsible for legislation, along with ad hoc boards of, quote, lawmakers. Democracy also has roots in the Magna Carta, England's Great Charter of 1215 that was the first document to challenge the authority of the king, 
subjecting him to the rule of the law and protecting his people from feudal abuse. Democracy as we know it today was not truly defined until the Age of Enlightenment in the 17th and 18th centuries, during which time the U.S. Declaration of Independence was pinned, followed by the U.S. Constitution, which borrowed heavily from the Magna Carta. The term involved to mean evolved to mean a government structured with a separation of powers, provided basic civil rights, religious freedom, and separation of church and state. Types of democracies. Parliamentary democracy, a democratic form of government in which the party or coalition of parties with the largest represent with the largest representation in the legislature or parliament was originated in Britain. There are two types of parliamentary government. The bicameral system consists of a lower house, which is elected, and an upper house can be elected or appointed. In a parliamentary democracy, the leader of the leading party becomes the prime minister or chancellor and leads the country. Once this leading party falls out of favor, the party that takes control instills its leader as prime minister or chancellor. In the 1790s and 1820s, Jeffersonian democracy was one of the two philosophies of governing to dominate the U.S. political scene. The term typically refers to the ideology of the Democrat-Republican Party, which Thomas Jefferson formed to oppose Alexander Hamilton's Federalist Party, which was the first American political party. The Jeffersonian outlook believed in equality of political opportunity for all male citizens, while Federalist political platform emphasized fiscal responsibility in government. Jeffersonian democracy, led by Andrew Jackson, was a political movement that emphasized the needs of the common man, rather than the elite and educated, favored by the Jeffersonian style of government. This period, from the mid-1830s to 1854, is also referred to the Second Party System. The Democratic-Republican Party of the Jeffersonians became fractionalized in the 1820s. Jackson's supporters formed, moder- formed the modern Democratic Party. Adams and anti-Jacksonian factions soon emerged as the Whigs. This era gave rise to partisan newspapers, political rallies, and fervent party loyalty. Democracies can be classified as liberal and social. Liberal democracies, also known as constitutional democracies, are built on the principles of free and fair elections, a competitive political process, and universal suffrage. Liberal democracies can take on the form of constitution republics such as France, India, Germany, Italy, and the United States, or a constitutional monarchy such as Japan, Spain, or the UK. Social democracy, which emerged in the late 19th century, advocates universal access to education, health care, workers' compensation, and other services such as child care and care for the elderly. Unlike others on the left, such as Marxists, who sought to challenge the capitalist system more fundamentally, social democrats aimed to reform reform capitalism with state regulation. 
The U.S. political system today is primarily a two-party system, dominated by Democrats and Republicans. The country has been a two-party system for more than a century, although independents such as Ralph Nader and Ross Perot have sought to challenge the two-party system in recent years. There are three branches of government, the executive branch or president, legislative, legislative branch or Congress, and judicial branch or Supreme Court. These branches provide checks and balances to, in theory, prevent abuses of power. Control of Congress can be in the hands of one party or split, depending on which party is in the majority in the Senate and, separately, the House of Representatives. Another article from LiveScience.com, What is the Magna Carta? It is a crumbling, water-stained, and written in medieval Latin, but the Magna Carta has managed to remain relevant to the cause of human rights even today, 800 years after it was scrawled on parchment and affirmed with the sticky wax seal of the English king. England's, quote, Great Charter of 1215 was the first document to challenge the authority of the king, subjecting him to the rule of the law and protecting his people from feudal abuse. Although most of the charter's ideas were revised or have been repealed, the Magna Carta's fundamental tenets provided the outline for modern democracies. One of its clauses, still in the English law books, has been credited as the first definition of habeas corpus, the, uh, the universal right to due process. Taking a cue from the document, more than five centuries later, American revolutionaries incorporated many of the Magna Carta's basic ideas into another important piece, piece of parchment, the U.S. Constitution. Robin Hood's King John, reviled by all feudalism, was the framework for which all landowning was governed in England during medieval times. It essentially granted the king control of all the land in his kingdom, which was worked by peasants and overseen by feudal barons. Everyone in the hierarchy had financial and social responsibilities to the rank above them, including the barons, who reported directly to the king. Most of England's kings didn't exercise all of their feudal rights, such as the power to control who their tenants married. That wasn't the case, however, with King John, the ruler fictionalized as the bad guy in Robin Hood. John's abuses of the feudal system were frequent and angered the barons who were were regularly regularly extorted of their lands and profits. Fed up, in 1215, the barons rebelled and pressured the king into signing the Magna Carta, a list of 63 clauses drawn up to limit John's power. It was the first time royal authority officially became subject to the law instead of reigning above it. Multiple copies of the parchment were inked and sealed in 1215 and read throughout the realm. In 2012, a copy of the Magna Carta created in 1297 was put into a high-tech encasement to protect it. The case was crafted from a single block of aluminum to minimize the number of joints or spots that could cause leaks. In 2015, the researchers with the Magna Carta Project tasked with studying the history of the document ahead of the 800th anniversary 
reported that they had found an original copy of the Magna Carta in a scrapbook of sorts in Kent, England, the seventh surviving copy from the 13th century. The newfound Magna Carta brings the tally of the number of surviving versions from that century to 24, the researchers said. Early colonists sailed over with their rights tucked inconspicuously near the middle of the Magna Carta is what historians consider one of the document's most enduring legacies. Habeas corpus, or the right to due process and trial by jury, is a universal legal concept today, but didn't exist, exist in the law books until the barons noted in the Magna Carta that, quote, no free man shall be seized or imprisoned or stripped of his rights or possessions or outlawed, outlawed or exiled except by the lawful judgment of his equals or by the law of the land, end quote. Though the statement wasn't a standout feature of the Magna Carta when it was first published, it was invoked over the centuries, especially during tumultuous times, to pres- preserve civil liberties. The English Civil War crisis of the 17th century was one such time, and it was also during this period that many Englishmen set off for the American colonies. By the mid-18th century, the New World colonies were populated by a group of first-generation New Americans highly educated in English law, such as Thomas Jefferson and John Adams. At the end of the Revolutionary War, when it was time to draft a constitution for the United States of America, those men included the best of the English rights they'd been taught, adapted to their circumstances of the monarch-free land. This podcast is brought to you by Silicon Valley High School, the world's fastest-growing, video-based, self-paced, teacher-supported, fully-accredited online school that's recommended by more than 96% of students. Take individual courses at just $95 each or earn your high school diploma at any age. Check us out at svhs.co. Still of great significance today, the Fifth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution reads almost identically to that statute written 575 years earlier. This article, adapted and updated, was originally part of a live science series about people and inventions that changed the world. Another article from LiveScience.com addresses the Declaration of Independence, which was penned in 1776. Thomas Jefferson had an inkling of the consequences it held for the 13 colonies who were announcing their intention to break free from the shackles of British rule. What he and other signers may not have anticipated, however, were the widespread effects the powerful words would also have around the world. The promise was evident in the famous phrases squirreled squirreled near the top of the document. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The Declaration of Independence didn't just change the course of American history, but created a ripple effect that nudged a host of other nations toward independence, making a revolutionary poster boy of Jefferson in the process. The Enlightenment 
Britain's vast army was already on its way towards New York Harbor when Jefferson sat down to compose the Declaration in June of 1776, beginning, When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal separation to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. The ideas that Jefferson expressed, which justified the reasons for revolt with a list of charges against the British king, weren't original. The number of global texts written during the highly charged Enlightenment years of the 17th and 18th centuries included similar ideas about liberty and the right to self-determination, and and Americans throughout the colonies were already promoting the progressive worldview in newspapers and school books. It was the fiery political climate into which the Declaration was born that made Jefferson's words so important. When his final draft was edited and adopted by Congress on the July 4th, the statement signified independence, but it also solidified the path to an all-out war, and not just war, in the new United States. Liberty gets going immediately after it was printed. The Declaration sparked worldwide debate on the legitimacy of colonial rule. Several countries used the document as a shining beacon in their own struggles for independence and adopted Jefferson as their figurehead. Jefferson himself predicted that American independence would be a catalyzing force, a ball of liberty, he called it, that would soon make its way across the globe. First came France, whose revolution in the 1780s and 90s drew upon American experience and literature for inspiration. Jefferson happened to be a minister to France at the time and became an ardent supporter of the revolutionaries, even helping to draft a charter of rights in support of a new republic, eerily similar to the one he had written just over a decade prior. With its mother country, France, in disarray, Another colony inspired by the American Revolution sought independence in the 18th century. Haiti had been a profitable sugar and coffee colony for centuries, known as one of the cruelest plantation islands in the Caribbean. Led by freed freed slave Toussaint Lavoture, who quoted both France and America's declarations to stir the uprising, Haiti achieved its own liberty in 1804. Ironically, former slaves in Haiti had used the Declaration of Independence as a model in their fight for freedom, while the document gave no such rights to slaves in the United States. In the years that followed, themes from the Declaration were sourced and reinterpreted for further independence movements in Greece, Poland, Russia, and throughout South America, A world of empires was gradually turning into a world of sovereign states. What follows is the original transcript of the Declaration of Independence provided by the U.S. government via archive.gov. In Congress, July 4, 1776, the unanimous Declaration of the 13 United States of America 
when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We should hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, It is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly, accordingly all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object, object, invinces a design to reduce them under the absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present king of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over the states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. He has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediately, immediate and pressing importance unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained. And when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people unless those people would relinquish to the right of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records, for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. He has refused for a long time after such disillusions to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislature power incapable of an annihilation have returned to the people at large for their exercise, the state remaining in the meantime exposed to all the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions within. He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states 
for that purpose obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither, and raising the conditions of new appropriations of lands. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount and payment of their salaries. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of new officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. He has kept among us in times of peace, standing, armies without the consent of our legislatures. He has effected to render the military independent of and superior to the civil power. He has combined with others to subject us to a, a jurisdiction foreign to our Constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation for quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, for protecting them by mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states, for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world, for imposing taxes on us without our consent, for depriving us in many cases of the benefits of trial by jury, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses, for abolishing the free system of English laws in the neighboring province, establishing therein an arbitrary government and enlarging its boundaries so as to render it at once an example and fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule into these colonies. We hold these truths to be for taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and fundamentally the forms of our governments, for spreading our legislatures and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever. He has abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. He is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, dissolution, and tyranny, already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous ages and totally unworthy the head of a civilized nation. Excuse me. He has committed our fellow citizens taken captive on high seas to bear arms against their country, to become the executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall by their hands. He has executed excited domestic insurrections amongst us and has endeavored to bring the inhabitants of our frontiers, the mercenaries, merciless Indian savages, whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in most humble terms. Our our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Nor have we been waiting in attentions to our British brethren. 
We have warned them from time to time of attempts by the legislature to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our immigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity, and we have conjured them by ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations, which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They, too, have been deaf to the voice of justice and consignity. We must, therefore, acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation and hold them as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies in war, in peace, friends. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America and General Congress assembled, appealing to Supreme Judge of World for rectitude of our intentions, do in name and by authority of good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare that the United Colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British Crown and all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain, is and ought to be totally dissolved, and that free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine, divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Good night, everyone, and have a great week. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org, for monthly announcements and other happenings.